Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? fans? And welcome into the Tuesday, August the 27th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are fast forwarding to the 2020 offseason in a year that promises to be challenging in the win-loss column, growth, development, and Uber resources in a loaded class of free agents and draft prospects, this team is in a position to finally turn it around next year. I'll detail that. We'll go over the news from practice, what the TJ McDonald release means, and we'll jump back into the Ravens' nest to update you on their preseason progress ahead of week one. All of that and a lot more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can find me on Twitter, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. The show is at LockedOnFins, and of course, you can find our written content up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We've got a busy show for you guys today. Let's go ahead and get right into it. That's another Miami Dolphins. So TJ McDonald was informed of his release late on Sunday evening, and I was trying to make sense of why they would do this, and I do believe the timing of the release is the strangest part about it, but consider this that he was considered a cut candidate back in February because of a poor scheme fit, because he doesn't take proper angles in the running game, he doesn't really match up well in coverage, and he can't play the deep half of the field, deep third, any type of zone coverage where he's off the football. None of that really suits him, and those are things that safeties have to be able to do in this defense. It's a reason why I don't think Rashad Jones is long for this defense. But Brian Flores mentioned as much today about scheme fit. He talked about TJ as a man, as a player, as a guy that prepared and worked hard at the game. But at the end of the day, he wasn't a scheme fit. But I also saw him in camp playing a pretty simplified role because you'll recall last year, he had some work in two deep coverage, 20 yards off the ball, not for him. He had some work down around the box, around the line of scrimmage, doing stuff in the running game, more suited for him But that also belongs to Rashad Jones, who is better in all those aspects of the game than McDonald was. So again, the timing of it is strange. But the one thing that makes sense of all this, I think, is that Minka Fitzpatrick, despite what he told us, is playing pretty well in that strong safety role. You can point to a couple of missed tackles, but all things considered, he's actually pretty damn good in run support. He covers tight ends. He covers the slot. Fitzpatrick's a special, special player, and his emergence while both these guys were injured in that safety role, you can then put him in that strong safety role in the event that something happens to Rashad Jones, and then Jamal Wiltz goes into the slot cornerback role. Basically, this looks like Jamal Wiltz is a higher preferred player on this roster going forward than TJ McDonald, which ultimately made him expendable at that rate and with the third string position designation that he was facing. Now, the big nickel package was going to be and is going to be one of the Dolphins' most frequent defenses they call, and you essentially had McDonald playing a linebacker role in that scheme, but now that'll go to Rashad Jones. Minka Fitzpatrick will be next up on the depth chart. And frankly, I just don't think McDonald was going to see much of the field, definitely not enough of the field to justify the salary that he was owed. Even though the Dolphins do bite the bullet on cap space, they do save cash up front, and that ultimately rules in this league saved cash. 
Another player now off the roster, offensive lineman Will Holden. He was claimed from the Cardinals as camp was beginning, and I was surprised to see him get a cup of coffee on the first team on the scrimmage day and some practices, but plenty of second team work as well. Today, he bows out as he receives his release. The Dolphins now have two open roster spots as we head to Saturday's cutdown day where they will drop 35 guys off the roster, more in addition to Will Holden and TJ McDonald. Other notes, Bobby McCain is in a shoulder harness, but he is practicing, and that worries the crap out of me because we've seen what happened to Rashad Jones ever since 2016 when he had that shoulder injury after intercepting Ben Roethlisberger on a diving interception. Jones's play has fallen off pretty considerably since that time, and he has had to battle that injury pretty much every single year of his career since that time, re-aggravating it in 2017, playing through it, and then aggravating it last year in that Jets game week two and missing two or three games. I forget the exact number. Other news from practice, Michael Dieter was seen limping off the field, but as Safed Dean of the South Florida Sun Sentinel tells us, that's his regular after-practice work, or walk, I should say. And it was funny because I saw those guys coming off the field down in July and early August when the heat was just absolutely brutal during that tropical depression, and all the guys walked like that. Like, they had just expended every ounce of energy and released every ounce of fluid, gross, from their body through practicing in that South Florida sun. It was crazy, but the good news is Dieter is okay. No injuries there. And other great injury news, Rashad Jones, Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, and Jakeem Grant were all back at practice on Sunday, and Kenyon Drake joined them on Monday to return to practice. The good news for Albert Wilson, he says he believes that he is on track to come back week number one and play the opener. We'll see how much he's involved in the game plan, but just getting him on the field, in the backfield, in the slot, I would go as far as out wide, not his strength, but having him in the game plan gives the Ravens an extra body to think about, an extra package of plays to think about. So work him back in slowly. He'll become effective maybe in late September, early October, but just having him back is fantastic news. One guy still not out there, linebacker Raquan McMillan, but Brian Flores commended his work ethic to get back, saying that no one works harder than Raquan McMillan. We learned that about his ACL rehab from Ryan Tannehill in 2017, and it's just not for a lack of effort. I don't believe he's getting traded because of this comment, even though some beat writers will suggest otherwise. And of course, Flores could be lying to pimp up McMillan's trade value. I'm just not buying it. I think he has a very integral role in this defense in the 6-1 packages as a stack backer. He's the best run defender on this roster still, even better than Jerome Baker and of course, Sam Aguavin. Other news, Jakeem Grant's contract details came in. We've got a report from Adam Kaplan. He is at Kaplan NFL on Twitter. Dolphins receiver Jakeem Grant's four-year extension is worth $19.7 million, a maximum $24 million, which is included incentives for receptions and the Pro Bowl with a guaranteed $7.5 million and $3.75 fully guaranteed. I think I told you guys $12 million guaranteed. Wipe that number out. Tell me to shut up. That was incorrect. But you look at this contract and it essentially serves serves as a first round rookie contract. Mike Williams, who I think was taken 10th overall two years ago, essentially has the same contract as Jakeem Grant with one major caveat, the guaranteed money. Those rookie first round deals are fully guaranteed, but this is a fantastic risk reward type of contract from the Dolphins brass because 
Grant, if he performs up to the level you want him to, that's still super cheap for the money you're paying him. If he doesn't, you can essentially get out of the deal after one year. The Dolphins striked it great with this contract. And somebody on Twitter, tell me who you are when you hear this. Someone told me they knew that Jakeem Grant was taking a team-friendly discount because... He's his cousin, I believe it was. Well, you called that one, sir. This is very much a team-friendly discount. Fantastic news for the Dolphins on this contract. One last thing here, some quarterback news. Matt Moore, our boy, love Matt Moore more than just about any other quarterback since Dan Marino. He is back, baby, and he replaces Chad Henney, who got injured in Kansas City. So the Matt Moore experience is back. He will back up Patrick Mahomes there in Kansas City. As far as Miami's own quarterback deal, still no announcement yet. Drew Rosenhaus thinks it's going to be Josh Rosen, but who the hell knows what Josh, what Drew Rosenhaus knows. He likes to pimp his clients. But that's what you have in the news today. And I'm sure we'll get an announcement on the starting quarterback sometime next week, probably prior to that Ravens game. All right, we're going to take our first break here. But first, I want to tell you guys about a service that I'm relying on tonight because the wife is at work. Did you have a long day at work or are you still stuck at the office? Are you recording your podcast right now? Open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered right to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's the DoorDash app, 5 bucks off an order of $15 or more with promo code LOCKEDON on DoorDash, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I haven't been this excited about a podcast segment in a little while. I mean, these preseason games get a little bit redundant. I do love bringing you guys new information about plays and games that have occurred within the last eight months because the previous podcasts have been about what happened in the past and expectations into the future. But this particular slate, this particular segment is built around the idea of the future being bright. And I don't have any clever lead-ins for you guys today, but that song was chosen on purpose because we'll take it on the other side because the other side right now looks very, very attractive from where the Dolphins sit. And I don't know about you guys. I mean, I'm still a big-time fan of this team. Don't get me wrong. The journalistic side has kind of taken over in a sense, but I still want to see this team win a Super Bowl more than just about anything else in my life. And... I think one of the reasons I'm able to take that journalistic approach and be more of an analyst and be more of an even-keeled, you know, non-biased type of guy is because I just don't have expectations this year. Whereas in the past, no matter what happens, I eventually work myself up into the idea or the scenario where Miami could win 9, 10 games, sneak into the playoffs. There have been some years where I was like, okay, this team right now is ready to compete for an AFC East uh, division title. It just didn't even come close to happening. But even in those years where it's like, okay, eight, nine, 10 wins, there was still excitement because every win was stacking towards a potential playoff berth and a potential end of the playoff victory drought that we've all suffered and endured for the last two decades. And the Dolphins this offseason just didn't take an approach like they have in the past. We know about that. 
Christian Wilkins, Chris Reed, Tank Carradine, Michael Dieter, Isaiah Prince. That was the idea of fortifying the trenches, which was one of three things the Dolphins told us they wanted to do. And I'm talking about this article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You guys can find it. It's the featured, featured article on the featured page, projecting year two of the Miami Dolphins rebuild. And the things the Dolphins promised us was to strengthen the offense and defensive lines. They didn't do that. Clear the decks of years of bad roster budgeting. They definitely did that. And place an emphasis on draft picks in the future. And all of that was very much true, except for the first part, the offense and defensive line. But Miami goes into the offseason with $100 million in available cap space. They have 12 draft picks, five of which come in the top 100. And I look at this offseason and the Dolphins' ability to develop their own talent currently on the roster. Like, for instance, can you get Preston Williams playing like a legit starting receiver? Is Charles Harris actually going to be a player now that he's in a new scheme? Is Mike Gesicki going to be effective now that he's not asked to play right tackle like he was in Adam Gaze's offense? I'm excited about the development of those guys. Some of the low-budget type of guys they brought in in the offseason like Eric Rowe or Jamal Wiltz. Whoever it might have been, they found a way to overturn the bottom of this roster and help solidify and develop a core that can really supplement a big-time offseason in 2020 that can forge the Dolphins not just into a potential playoff wildcard team, but into a team that might be able to sustain success and win a whole bunch of games and get pushes into January and make playoff runs because that's what we're all here for, right? As great as ending the playoff drought would be, we want sustained success. We want to be that franchise that everyone says, okay, that's a tough game when we face the Dolphins every single year. Go back to the early 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, when this team was consistently in a playoff hunt and in a threat to make a push deep into the playoffs. That's what we're shooting for. And with all these resources this offseason, it's the most important one since back in 2013 when Jeff Ireland blew it. He completely blew it. We all know about that. Danell Ellerby, Mike Wallace, Philip Wheeler. We know about Deion Jordan, that trade-up, Jamar Taylor. Everything they did just did not work out. But then, of course, Jeff Ireland goes to New Orleans and has the home run offseason Miami was hoping to hit that year and turn the Saints into a perennial NFC championship late postseason run type of team behind Drew Brees. And of course, Drew Brees does help that, but he was there for years going back to back to back seven and nine. Then they solidified the roster around him and turned into a dominant powerhouse. But we go back to Drew Brees and that is the number one thing on the list here on the agenda. I've got four things the Dolphins are going to have to focus on this offseason. You can add bits and pieces there, but these are the four primary things they have to and can achieve this offseason. Number one, find the franchise-altering quarterback, and we'll go ahead and start there. We've talked a lot about this. You guys have seen the face of the franchise series up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Whether it's Josh Rosen or Tua Tungavailoa, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, or that mystery fifth man that shoots up the draft board every single year, like a Khalil Tate, like a Cole McDonald who got benched on Saturday in that crazy Hawaii-Arizona game. But the Dolphins have... They're in this very unique and enviable situation where they approach a really good quarterback class. They have a guy in tow who they can develop this year, and they have a roster that could put them in a position to make one of these guys a high draft pick and pretty much end the suffering of Dolphins fans everywhere. Now, 
They're going to have some competition if they don't finish dead last or second to last, and they can't get that crack at Tonga Vailoa or Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. And the other competitors in this group might already have their quarterback of the future or at least be tied to them for the imminent future, like the Giants with Daniel Jones, like Washington with Dwayne Haskins, or the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. A lot of these bad teams have their long-term solutions, or so we think, at the quarterback spot. The Bengals, Broncos, and Raiders, I think, all figure into that mix, and they could all get themselves back into the quarterback market this offseason. My solution, my prediction for this, is that the Dolphins do have to trade up after finishing 4-12, and maybe 5-11 and in that 4th or 5th spot in the draft. They trade up, they select Jordan Love, and he competes with Josh Rosen for the 2020 opening day job. I have a link to all of these scouting reports on those quarterbacks in this article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Point number two, Obviously, we got to rebuild this offensive line because it doesn't matter if it's Josh Rosen, if it's Jordan Love, if Ryan Fitzpatrick turns a miracle and becomes a starting quarterback next year, the Dolphins got to put an offensive line in front of them. And despite the fact that the Dolphins have prioritized this position, whether it was Jake Long over Matt Ryan, Mike Pouncey with the 15th overall pick, Jawan James, Laramie Tunzel in the first round, the Dolphins did invest in the offensive line until Adam Gaze got here. And then he had a fundamental belief that guard positions were we're not deserving of a premium. We'll find out about Michael Dieter this year. I do think Miami should attack Joe Tooney very hard. He knows the scheme. He knows the coaches. He'd be a plug-and-play left guard, all pro right away. Brandon Scherf in Washington is apparently far apart, quote-unquote, on a contract extension. He could be an option. There's some low-budget type of options I listed in the article from Connor McGovern, Joshua Garnett. You can go after a top-level safety like Rodney Hudson. You can go after Cleveland's J.C. Treader, or you can go in the draft very high and look at Tyler Byadash or Creed Humphrey of Oklahoma. Plenty of options exist there. You've got Lyle Collins, Jack Conklin, the right tackle free agents who could be an option after Jawan James was allowed to walk in free agency this year. Will the Dolphins go after a high-priced right tackle though when you figure they're going to have to pay Laramie Tunzel top dollar? I think that's probably doubtful. So you have some other bargain types of type of guys out there like Jermaine Effetti from Seattle or the aging DeMar Dotson or Brian Balaga in Tampa Bay and Green Bay, respectively. Plenty of options across this offensive line. And at the draft, at the tackle spot, you've got Andrew Thomas of Georgia and Tristan Wirfs of Iowa. Both those guys fall in the top 10 on the draftnetwork.com's new big board for 2020. So check that out. We're talking about plenty of draft guys available at these positions of need for the Dolphins. We covered the quarterback. We covered the offensive line. My solution prediction for the offensive line is to sign one big money free agent like a Joe Tooney, go after a bargain mid-round tackle type, or like Jermaine Effetti from Seattle or Texas Christian University's Lucas Nyong. There are plenty of options to go after guys at this position in the draft and free agency. The Dolphins have to address this and the quarterback. And when we come back on the other side here of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, We'll talk about the next two important things Miami has to take care of this offseason and the resources they have to do it. We'll do that next. Locked on Dolphins podcast. I'm at Wingfield NFL on Twitter and the show is at Locked on Fins. If you guys haven't seen The Righteous Gemstones on HBO yet, 
If you're a Danny McBride fan, like an Eastbound and Down fan, or Vice Principals, or any of the many movies he has done, it's hilarious. And there's some dark comedy in there too, which I really, really enjoy, which is why I love the show Barry, also on HBO. I'm watching that. I saw the new season of Ballers, first season. I don't really know why I watch Ballers, probably because it's just on, and I've watched all four seasons so far. I don't really find it that entertaining, but here I am watching it. Also, QB1 on Netflix. That's what I'm into right now. And of course, I'm still binge-watching Malcolm in the Middle as background noise when I eat or whatever it might be. So that's my TV check-in for the week. Let's get back into the other side here of this article. Two more bullet points to talk about for the Dolphins' off-season preview ahead. And number one was find the quarterback solution. Number two was fix the offensive line. And number three is to curate some depth in this freaking secondary because you look at the Patriots roster, they are loaded at cornerback and safety. They've got a first-round pick, three second-round picks, a third-round draft pick, and at the time, Stephon Gilmore was the highest-paid cornerback in the history of the league when he agreed to that contract. And the Dolphins just don't have the resources put into this position right now. We know about Xavier Howard. We know about Minka Fitzpatrick. I think that Eric Rowe looks to be on his way to really a resurgence here in Miami, although his health is always a big concern with that. But he's a terrific scheme fit, a good-looking cornerback on the outside. If the Dolphins are going to duplicate this New England model, they're going to have to really remake this defensive back depth chart and not just the top four or five guys, which I believe Miami's pretty good, but you have to round out that depth because the rest of the guys in this Dolphins cornerback and safety room just haven't elevated their play yet to a level that makes you feel comfortable going forward because New England has guys like Terrence Brooks, Jason McCourty, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones. All these guys are hits and depth players in their secondary, but we go to the free agent market for the 2020 offseason. You've got Jimmy Smith, Logan Ryan, who played with the Patriots under Brian Flores, Eli Apple will be a free agent. Chris Harris of the Broncos, although he's 31, is a free agent. Sounds like Joe Hayden's going to find a new contract with the Steelers. But my idea is that Miami might go towards one of these kind of distant thought type of cornerbacks in Eli Apple or Trey Waynes or Mackenzie Alexander out there. But the draft class, that's a low-level cost as far as the compensation you have to pay them. Not a low resource with a first-round draft pick, but Paulson Adebo from Stanford, Christian Fulton from LSU, Bryce Hall, Virginia, C.J. Henderson, Florida, Jeffrey Akuda, Ohio State, TDN, thedraftnetwork.com, has seven defensive backs in their top 50 on this list. So Miami could go after that position group. In free agency, you've got Tavon Wilson at safety. He is currently in Matt Patricia's defense. Jimmy Ward in San Francisco could shake free. He's an option. Von Bell's a low-level option. And the draft, again, is loaded at the safety position. Grant Delpit is the number three player on the TDN big board. You've got Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson who can run, hit, cover, do everything. Would be your ultimate flexibility piece. My solution here is to re-sign Eric Rowe to a contract if, of course, he plays 16 games, draft a safety relatively high, Isaiah Simmons, and add pieces with cheap resources like a free agent bargain buy and keep bolstering that secondary with late-round draft picks because New England has been good at that. I think Miami can be too. And number four, you got to bolster the edge rush. No Trey Flowers. You're probably not going to go out and sign big money guys like Jadavian Clowney. Don't expect the Cam Wakes and Brian Burns to be a priority here because those guys are more pure one-on-one pass rush and we've seen those guys kind of go by the wayside in this Dolphins defense. Think about Jonathan Ledbetter, a guy that can two-gap and play heavy-handed with eye discipline. Think about Tank Carradine, who can play outside as a seven technique, pass rush there, but also condense down as a five technique in certain packages. A guy like Iowa's A.J. Epinesa, a top five talent who will be an absolute 
top-level line athlete for this Dolphins team going forward if they don't go after the quarterback. The same is true of Ohio State's Chase Young. Other top 50 prospects exist at this position as well, especially Yetter Gross Matos, the Penn State outside backer type of guy, defensive end. He would be a great fit in this defense. You've got plenty more guys on this list here and some free agents like Leonard Williams from the Jets. He could be an ideal fit. Eric Armstead, Derek Wolf, Adrian Claiborne, Brandon Copeland. My solution for the edge rusher position is to sign a guy like Leonard Williams, spend a high to mid-round draft pick like Gross Matos, and let's fly with that team. So this group is going to be completely unrecognizable from the Adam Gaze Dolphins, and I believe the Dolphins fan base will be just fine with that. Check out the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com to see the rest of that because I had to kind of fly through it because we're getting short on time. And because we are short on time, I'm going to bump the Ravens preview to tomorrow's show. We're also going to have a mailbag on tomorrow's show, so check that out on Twitter if you guys have not done so already. But two more notes here to end this show. I'm looking at this Dolphins roster, and I spoke to Kevin Dern, my former co-host of the Finalysis podcast, at KevinMD4, and we agreed that we just don't we don't have eight linemen, NFL linemen on this roster, and we both believe that we only really have 51 guys on this current group that are going to make the opening day roster as Miami probably will go out and look for new players like the Green Bay safety Josh Jones, who was released. He, of course, played with Patrick Graham last year, although Graham was a linebacker's coach. But Josh Jones played under a previous Dolphins coach, and that might make some sense in terms of why they released McDonald as well, go after young players. We're going to have to find two guys on the offensive line because I think Isaiah Prince right now is in that top eight, but he's not ready. He's a practice squad development type of guy and beyond Chris Reed I'm not really sure who else you have besides the top five guys and Chris Reed you're gonna have to find somebody else and the last thing we're gonna discuss on today's podcast I forgot about it yesterday or let's be honest I recorded that podcast on Saturday so I just didn't get to it but the Andrew Luck story and situation is so familiar to Ricky Williams and what he did in Miami in 2004 the eve of training camp piecing out, throwing the deuces up to Dave Wanstead and the entire Dolphins fan base. Andrew Luck kind of did the same thing, but some of the backlash we have seen, it's just a little bit hard to believe that fans can be so ruthless and only care about the wins and losses. I will say that I think in the past, I might have had that reaction. In fact, a 16-year-old Travis did have that reaction when Ricky Williams left, but Andrew Luck is so commendable for what he did and to walk away. I retweeted the Dan, the Dan Lebetard monologue he did. I think that's a fantastic way to put this thing and to frame this whole situation and just the pain in Andrew Luck's eyes when he said he had to walk away from the game that he loved because pain and injuries and rehab robbed him of that love in a short time. Just a really sad scene to see in Indianapolis. Andrew Luck, one of the great, great guys in the NFL. Sad to see him go. But my question is, and we have to ask this, what happens when that love and that spark for the game returns? Because I think it's going to. I just feel like guys like this, they always find their way back. And yeah, he might kind of tone down and not rehab and lose some muscle mass. But what happens in a year or two years when that love and that spark returns and he hits the weight room, he gets back into shape and he's 31 years old? You can't go back to Indianapolis, can you? Because they booed you off the field. So maybe he takes that and says, no, thank you, sir. I'm going to go explore my options elsewhere. And maybe the Colts will trade him. And the Dolphins might still have a quarterback need at that time. Who knows? But I'm just thinking about this in the future. If you can put Andrew Luck on this team in a year or two with this defense that I think we're going to have under Brian Flores, 
then we're talking about championships, baby. But that's a long way off. We still have to see Josh Rosen this year and next year's quarterback class and maybe even Trevor Lawrence down the line. That's all for another date. And that's all for this podcast. When we talk to you guys tomorrow, we're going to preview the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to talk about some guys that might need contract extensions mid-season this year. And of course, we'll get to the Twitter mailbag, all of that on tomorrow's show. But as for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review on that Stitcher post because someone ruined the rating there. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com, including more detail from today's piece previewing next year's offseason. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.